This is the Innovation Engine Podcast. Since 2014, we've been bringing you talks with some of the world's leading authorities on innovation. Topics we cover include emerging trends and technologies, corporate leadership, company culture, and more. Coming to you from Three Pillar Global's headquarters in Fairfax, Virginia, here's your host, Will Sherlin. Welcome back to the Innovation Engine Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be looking at innovation and the sports and fitness space. Among the topics we'll discuss are what was hottest on the floor at CES this year in the sports and fitness space, what the future holds for the next generation of wearable devices, and how virtual reality will impact the sports experience and the fan experience in the years to come. Here with us today to discuss all that and more is Simon Ogus. Simon is COO of SportTechie.com, a website dedicated to covering the intersection of sports and technology. On the SportTechie website, you can read about the latest technological innovations, ideas, and products that impact the fan experience, player performance, and the sports industry as a whole. Welcome to the podcast, Simon. Thank you. It's uh, it's great to be on. Uh, much appreciated and uh, looking forward to talking some sports and technology. Absolutely. Us too. So let's kick things off today talking about that and some of the macro trends in the sports and fitness space that you saw at CES earlier this year. When you were there, did you see anything that kind of blew you away from a consumer perspective or left you feeling like this is going to be the next big thing? Absolutely. Uh, we definitely saw uh, virtual reality had a major, major presence at CES in the sports world and otherwise. Uh, I'm sure it's been on the it's been written about a lot, the, uh, the numerous applications to, to virtual reality. But it really was incredible for us to be able to see how watch watching a game and in, in, uh, in virtual reality, uh, seeing how teams are starting to train with virtual reality and also how it could really affect business models with fans being able to watch the game uh, virtually anywhere in the world, as opposed to potentially, you know, trudging out uh, in, in cold weather or having to spend large sums of money. I would say something that really blew me away from the sports world uh, is virtual reality. It, uh, I really think it's going to change the the game in terms of how teams prepare mm-hmm. and evaluate uh, and really can get their team the most prepared to, to go out on the field. But also from a fan perspective, we've seen teams struggle with having to you know fight uh, clearer and bigger televisions uh, as we go. And I think that virtual reality is kind of like that effect on steroids. Fans are going to be able to feel like they're in the front row and uh, and pay a tenth or a fifth, a tenth or five percent of the cost of what that ticket normally would have cost. And uh, that definitely was the talk uh, on the sports side around uh, around CES. Yeah. And and what were some of the companies that that unveiled or were showing off some VR products that uh, that that you were impressed by? I know Oculus Rift is coming out later this year. Did you get your hands on an Oculus Rift or or what were companies that you uh, saw some work from? The biggest one that we saw was a company called Next VR. They are bra- they are working. One of their main investors uh, is Peter Guber, who's a co-owner of the Golden State Warriors, and they have had a major uh, ba- major in with the NBA to begin uh, working with this virtual reality technology 
and starting to see how it would work and where the cameras should be and basically starting to troubleshoot it uh, and seeing what their issues are. And what they've been able to do is uh, broadcast a few Golden State Warriors games uh, through virtual reality and the, the feedback has been great according to them. Uh, and I, I don't doubt that. I think uh, we were able to actually see a, uh, a Celtics Bulls game uh, when we were out in Vegas on, uh, on the virtual reality headset. And I can only imagine uh, this season how much more exciting uh, a Golden State Warriors game might be on a, on a virtual <laughs> reality. But they are they're definitely rolling it out in the NBA quickly. Uh, I don't know for certain uh, how you know long the rollout will take, but I definitely think uh, certainly by next season, if not earlier, you're going to see a large scale rollout uh, for, for virtual reality in the NBA, but they haven't finalized that all that, uh, in terms of when they could, you know, instead of having one offs, uh, start to, you know, have a full season schedule, but they're definitely working with all the other major sports as well. I would just say NBA is furthest along, uh, Striver, uh, is definitely another virtual reality company. They didn't really do any wholesale, uh, displays um but they were definitely out there we heard from their uh their their founder derek belch and uh a lot of their products are more for the professional and collegiate uh football programs mm -hmm. uh so it's not really a commercial uh widespread use uh it'd be pretty cost prohibitive for any individual to kind of get the technology and if your job isn't a professional football player i don't see uh where it would come in a lot of application for you but mm -hmm. they're definitely making waves uh i'm sure your listeners have seen in the news, uh, you know, the number of teams that are starting to use that product. Uh, and with everyone in one place, there was definitely a lot of talk about them. And uh, as football goes into the offseason, I think you're going to see many more college programs and professional teams start to use uh, this technology to prepare their players. You mentioned that you got to watch a Celtics-Bulls game using a virtual reality headset. So what's that experience like? Is it like you're sitting courtside or you you have kind of a bird's eye view in the 200s, 400s? What is what's the view look like? Or can you oh, make can you can you can you choose incredible. where you sit? The way they had a they had a couple angles set up. Uh, the one that I saw was basically all their equipment was set up at the scorers table, even in front of the scorers table. So your seat was even better than the individual who's sitting front row courtside at the scorers table mid court. Uh, you have a 180 degree view, and the technology the, the shutter in the you know. I'm, we cover technology, but uh, I don't fashion myself as, you know, a super, uh, you know, it gets pretty high level at some parts, but sure. you can basically look left and right in a 180 degree view and it, and your visual, uh, it doesn't change. It doesn't, you know, have trouble moving with you. You're basically sitting courtside at the game, uh, right on the court with 180 degree view to look at either basket, depending on where the game action is. And it was pretty neat. I, I watched for a good 15, 20 minutes, but not the whole game, obviously. And, and there was actually a dive for a loose ball right in front of uh, my view at the scores table. And it literally felt uh, like, I think it was Jimmy Butler just dove right into your, not even to your living room, like right into your face. It was just an incredible experience. Uh, I know we're going to get into this later. They definitely have a few things they need to catch up on uh, or get, you know, to really make it a, a competitive uh, experience to the, you know, 70-inch televisions we have. But it's pretty incredible. Uh, you really get to, you know, hear players on the court. You, uh, you get to see it from a, a view that usually costs uh, thousands of dollars to see it from. 
Yeah, look left and there's Jack Nicholson, and look right and there's uh, Kim Kardashian, perhaps if you're catching a Lakers game. Yeah, you can't quite. Uh, <laughs> you can't quite. The, the view kind of cuts off right before uh, the benches. I would say. Yeah. You can see almost all the way to either bench. I don't think you're gonna see Jack Nichols <laughs> Nicholas quite yet. Uh, sorry, Jack Nicholson. I'm uh, getting my uh, Jack's uh, <laughs> stuff. Um, but again, this is, uh, this is the first rollout of it and it's a really incredible first rollout. And to think that this is kind of, uh, the, the start of the, of virtual reality, it's pretty incredible to think about where it could be certainly by next year. So I'm not one of them, but I definitely do know people who are more than happy to forego the live game experience to watch games on their 70 inch flat screens from the comfort of their own home. You don't have to deal with parking. You don't have to deal with traffic you don't have to deal with outrageous prices for concessions so do you see vr actually eating into the audience of people who might otherwise attend these games or do you think it's more a matter of it will just create larger fan bases to fill those seats yeah this is an interesting question actually and was brought one of the the panel discussions at ces was a panel with uh, vivek ramadive and mark cuban obviously the owners of the sacramento kings and the dallas mavericks in the nba and they spoke about this <clears throat> and there was one of the questions they were asked is if they were kind of cannibalizing their in-game product for their fans because you know as we all know your your question's right on uh the 70 inch flat screen tvs in the comfort of your own home where you're not paying eight dollars uh, for a beverage or more uh and dealing with all the hassle of being there uh certainly uh you know as as technology on the television production side has improved it's definitely harder to get people to games the way they answered uh which i think is a great uh you know conversation to draw from is that they think it's going to just increase the demand for in-game uh, experiences. They say that, you know, yeah, it costs more to watch the game in person, but you also get, you know, you can't replicate the in-game experience. You can't replicate, you know, having the cheer of the crowd um, being there, even, you know, even through virtual reality where you can hear the crowd. It's definitely not the same as being, you know, at the stadium, uh, you know, hearing, you know, hearing all the the visuals and the and the you know, the audio that you uh, that gets everyone excited, you know, to be at games. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, virtual reality is also going to be tailored a lot to fans that, you know, going to the game isn't uh, an option. You know, I'm I live in Washington D.C. and uh, I grew up in San Francisco, so I like all of the the San Francisco teams. And I obviously can't just uh, make a day of it and uh, and go watch uh, the 49ers play or the San Francisco Giants play. Uh, so, you know, it really grows your, your audience that way. But it also could get people that might have never gone to the game in the first place to try it out since it's so uh, comfortable uh, and, you know, very low maintenance to, to strap a headset on and to try to watch basketball or NFL or whatever sports your favorite. And uh, that might get you really into it when you might have not really known about it uh, a lot in the first place. And I think the way they see that is a huge international fan base that obviously can't uh, attend too many Sacramento Kings games or Dallas Mavericks games are going to get really excited about those teams and be able to watch them, you know, halfway around the world and feel like they're at the game. And maybe these owners can get uh, fans for life. So when they actually do come to, to Dallas or make a trip to the United States, uh, they might want to go to a Dallas Mavericks game or buy Dallas Mavericks 
uh, clothing, whereas before they might not have been a fan of the NBA or the Mavericks at all. So they see it as a very <clears throat> as a big positive. It's going to drive more interest in the teams and also get more people uh, you know, to decide even in the local areas that they want to start going to the in-game product and, uh, and becoming uh, fans. Let me switch over to another technology that's gotten a lot of press recently, wearables. So Under Armour just released a connected fitness system called UA Health Box, which has some similarities to products like Fitbit and Jawbone, but goes beyond just being a wearable device. What does HealthBox do that some of the others don't? And is it something that you see catching on with the everyday exerciser? Yeah, so Under Armour, as uh, a lot of your viewers I'm sure know, has been buying up, you know, MyFitnessPal. They're buying up a lot of uh, applications to, no doubt, integrate into all of their product offerings and future product offerings. And Under Armour is basically, uh, basically bringing it all together. They're bringing your, what you're eating every day with a MyFitnessPal, uh, tracking your calorie intake, and combining that with your heart rate when you exercise, and your sleep info, and your nutrition data, and, and everything that you're doing, how many steps you're taking, uh, I know like a, like a Fitbit and a Jawbone does. And what I think, uh, and what they've said they're looking to do is basically give people you know, individualized uh, nutritional feedback, uh, workout feedback, and to show you what's uh, what's working and uh, and how you individually can do this instead of just kind of throwing your data into uh, an algorithm and you know providing you with uh, some you know basic uh, feedback. It's definitely as we uh, as we talked about before. This is kind of iPhone 1.0. Um, it's you know, and I don't think they've rolled out everything that they want to, that, that they're going to do certainly uh, down the line. Mm -hmm. But what it really is, I think, is Under Armour's uh, long-term goal to really have connected clothing. Um, you right now for a, for a Fitbit or Jawbone, and those are and those are great products. Not trying to knock them at all, um, but right now you kind of put on your your workout clothing and you put on your your Fitbit and you kind of have multiple components uh, to working out. Whereas going forward, and you're already seeing it with connected shoes that can track your step data, a lot of this stuff someday should be fully integrated in your workout clothing, whether it be Under Armour or another brand. So instead of worrying about where your potential wearable device is, you just throw on that workout shirt. The, the, the sensors are already put built into the shirt uh, in an obvious uh, fashionable and, uh, and reasonable way. And you start working out and that data is waiting for you when you get home uh, on the app. And I think that's ultimately where all this is going and where Under Armour is definitely being a, a lead in the way with, the, with obviously the advantage of already producing the clothing and now buying up a lot of the applications and starting to combine them together. And I think what we're really going to see going forward is full-scale uh, combining of all of this. So you have smart shirts, smart running shorts, smart shoes, smart socks, uh, and really getting uh, a personalized feedback uh, really efficiently. Uh, and also with Under Armour, you know, they're gearing towards uh, the younger crowd. Obviously, those are their future buyers and current buyers. Um, and you see their, you know, partnerships with The Rock and Missy Copeland and being able to share the data, not just, uh, you know, competing with friends for for steps, but also being kind of the Facebook of working out. If you do a workout, you can they want to be able to have it, you know, be shared with all your friends that are also working out and to really take that social experience of uh, 
of working out and, and kind of magnify it uh, to a full-blown almost social network that's devoted to working out and to, and to being healthy. So that's definitely uh, probably longer term for them in terms of getting that really uh, certainly on a, even close to a Facebook scale. But this is how they're starting to get people hooked on the Under Armour workout experience, uh, getting them, you know, teenagers on up uh, to be lifetime buyers and lifetime supporters of Under Armour. Yeah, definitely. So, so let me ask about sport techie in general. I talked about the site uh, at the at the intro, but for listeners out there that might be interested, can you talk a little bit about the mission of the site, the types of content that you publish on a regular basis, and how people can can consume it other than just the website? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at Sport Techie, our our kind of go to catchphrase is being the intersection between sports and technology. And we really try to cover that entire world, you know, all the way up from products that are hitting the market for the everyday uh, workout consumer, uh, all the way up to technology companies that are partnering with professional collegiate sports teams, uh, and hopefully everything in between. Uh, a really high-level description uh, of Sport Techie is really just combining everything we like about sports and and like about tech and as these worlds continue to blend together, we want to be the go-to resource that covers this on, a, on an everyday basis and somewhere that you know every day or morning, uh, every few hours, you'll see new content devoted to the sports and technology space. Um, we definitely want to reach, you know, obviously people that like both, but also individuals that are really big sports fans that are interested in new uh, initiatives their teams are doing all the way to the tech uh, you know, lean, a leaning person that's really into all the latest technology that can kind of see how this is entering uh, the sports world, which even if you're not a sports fan, uh, a lot of these teams are worth large sums of money and make large sums of money. And this will be a big commerce uh, area going forward. So we want to really reach uh, everyone from those two, uh, I would say, ends of our, our readership and everything in between. Uh, I really like... Uh, you know, I think the best way to, to consume us in everyday's busy lives is uh, our newsletter. You can sign up for that on our main page right on the right side of our website at eye level. But uh, also feel free to, to email us at info at sporttechie.com and we can definitely sign you up to receive. Basically, we have a daily version and a weekly version. And every day on the daily version are, are the articles that we have that have been published since the last uh, edition, as well as news from around uh, the industry. And these are links that we pull within the last 24 hours. So every daily edition of the newsletter, you're going to see uh, very up-to-date news, not only from us, but from other sources in the area, as well as kind of a sports tech job board, uh, as well as a conference calendar uh, for people to you know really get out and meet people, like-minded people uh, in your area or places you want to travel to, uh, as well as the weekly version, which is basically a large collection as we've gotten bigger of all the articles the past week. So I really recommend uh, the daily version. Uh, can check everything we, uh, we do. Uh, for a few minutes to see what uh, catches your eye and uh, not have to, you know, track us throughout the day. I know with everyone's busy schedules, that uh, seems to be the ideal way to, to consume stuff. Okay, nice. So sporttechie.com, again, is the website. Go subscribe yes. to the newsletter if you're, if you're interested. So, so let me ask a question. I know you're not in the business of, uh, of denigrating the combination of sports and tech, but I'm sure you get to see lots of things that are kind of experimental and I saw something when I was on the Sport Techie website that kind of made me roll my eyes. 
And I'm talking about the Gatorade Smart Bottle in this instance. So a connected water bottle that pulls uh, information about your levels of hydration and how uh, how how much you've been exerting yourself. So do you ever see new product ideas and kind of roll your eyes and think, okay, we might be in danger of jumping the shark here with this sports tech combination? Yeah, I mean, everyone has different preferences and uh, and needs, certainly, from the professional athlete that plays in the NBA all the way down to weekend warriors like yourself and I. Um, in, in short, yes, there's uh, <laughs> definitely hear a lot of crazy ideas. Um, right. You know, it's you can't if something's already been thought of, you know, there's no point in, uh, in duplicating it. So you really got to get creative and uh, try to find ways to to make to make your ideas stand out. And certainly in uh, in the sports tech world, and I'm sure in every uh, facet of industry, you know, there's kind of crazy ideas that uh, that make you roll your eyes. Uh, I would say, though, to go back to your example that the Gatorade smart water bottle, I really don't think is is one of those crazy ideas. Um, maybe for yourself and I, you know, we don't need to know our exact hydration levels when we go to the gym. But for a high level athlete, this data is very important and data that's often tough to get into the middle, you know, in the middle of an important game where coaching staffs and players have a lot to think about besides, you know, their levels of hydration on the sideline. But being hydrated, obviously, is very important. And, uh, you know, if a coach or coaching staff or a trainer can get this information quickly and effectively, they can make changes on the fly and, you know, keep their athletes in uh, top level condition to, uh, you know, perform at their best uh, to win the game. And this, you know, could definitely be the difference between a win or a loss uh, if you don't know about it throughout the game. And in a couple of weeks, it could be the difference between a Super Bowl title and, you know, falling a few points short. So I think the Gatorade Smart Water Bottle is actually a pretty neat idea. Not to uh, come down on you at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has their, uh, their personal preferences. But for a high, I agree with you, probably for, you know, Right now, for a weekend warrior, it might not be the the first place to to spend everyone's hard-earned money, but certainly this is uh, something that has caught the attention of uh, college and professional sports and and even high-level high school athletes. Gatorade's actually doing a partnership with the IMG Academy, testing all of this uh, this information. We'll have that on the website very soon, um, and you can they're really working it on the high school level as well. So. It's uh, it, it definitely is making waves in uh, the higher levels of uh, athletics. Yeah, well, I guess anyone who's ever experienced a muscle cramp might wish that they had had the uh, the Gatorade Smart Bottle. So I, I, I take it all back, Simon. Forget I asked that. <laughs> <laughs> but your but but your your question is absolutely on point. We uh, I won't call any out by name. Uh, that's not my style. But we definitely have received uh, some pitches of. I'll say interesting ideas. They, uh, they definitely, you know, they get me thinking, you know, I read every single one. So I, I you know, I'd rather read it and, uh, and think it might not work than not hear about it at all. So yeah, you know. definitely. Yeah. And, and us too here at the innovation engine podcast, you know what I mean? That's, that's part of what the innovation process is about, you know, it's sometimes trying and failing and even trying stupid things sometimes or things that may sound stupid on their face, but you know, they, they end up, uh, turning into pit products. So, so yeah, hey, a lot of, uh, a lot of, people that were asked to invest in uber turned it down thought it was crazy so you know who am i sometimes i could i could look pretty dumb someday with some of these products that you know are unicorn companies someday <laughs> sure definitely so let me ask you about sport view the 2003 michael lewis book moneyball sparked an obsession with analytics that we're still seeing play itself out 
not just in baseball, which is what the book was about, but in other sports as well. So the NBA recently struck up a partnership with SportView. Can you talk a little bit about that and what it means for fans in the media? Yeah, it, Moneyball was definitely the uh, the first highly uh, publicized, uh, you know, analytical kind of blow up, and it definitely got a lot of people talking. It overall just makes you know, the media and fans smarter. And I would say as we uh, are in 2016, the difference between fans and the media is uh, is not that much anymore. Anyone, you know, that has access to this data can start writing about it and, uh, you know, get a, get your own website and, you know, become, uh, you know, right on topics themselves. I think, uh, I think sport techie is a uh, living proof that you can kind of just start out with a blank page and an internet connection and, uh, and write about something you're passionate about and, and turn into a, a media outlet, um, so to say. But to get back to the original point of the question, sport view data just makes what makes the data that you're getting, uh, you know, you're just a lot smarter about what you're seeing. Whereas before we might've ranked players and how important they are, um, you know, from points per game, you know, this isn't specifically sport for you, but kind of an analytical approach. Now we factor in tempos in the NBA and college basketball, where a team might, you know, have 30 more possessions in a given game, which will obviously give a player more chances to score uh, than a player who might play in a different system, who plays a lot slower style, uh, less possessions, less chances to score. Uh, and, you know, traditionally a guy that, you know, averages 25 points a game over a guy that averages 17 points a game, you know, he might be considered the better player, whereas the 17 point per game score is a lot more efficient and, you know, honestly, probably the better basketball player in terms of being a scorer. Uh, with Sport VU, it just, it gives incredible data, uh, it tracks the player all over the court in an NBA game, which gives you great, uh, the really, the thing I really liked about it is they give heat maps for, for every player, so you could really see, you know, Kyle Korver shooting three uh, not just shoot how good he is at shooting threes, but seeing how hot he is from every spot on the three-point line, you know, where he makes, you know, I haven't looked at his map in a while, but, you know, he might hit 65% of his threes from the top of the key straight onto the basket, uh, you know, whereas before we might just have a, a set, you know, three-point percentage. Uh, but it really gives a lot of great data, and with the, the sensors on the, the players, you can really see how they do going to their right, or going to their left, or how they are at uh, jump shots uh, from 15 feet away, or how they are really close to the basket. Uh, the Sport VU data just has really made uh, you know watching games and reading about games uh, for fans and media. Uh, you can really go a lot deeper, and for front offices, it's it's really important because these are the organizations that are devoting you know eight-figure yearly salaries to these players and it's vitally important to be able to cut through and get the important data so you don't sign a six-year contract that can cripple your cap space for the near future so front offices really use this data immensely and just recently actually the nba unveiled you know a lot of data that was really only for front offices um they made available to fans so you, you know i'm sure not everything is available right now but you can really as a fan uh, and certainly as a media member uh, have access to a lot of the information that your favorite nba teams use to cover their own players and to cover uh, opposing players that they could be interested in signing as free agents down the line Okay, so soon everyone can be Daryl Morey, the uh, GM of the Houston Rockets, who's known for his analytical approach to uh, to, to signing and acquiring basketball players. <laughs> yeah, I mean, b being given access to the data probably uh, won't make you Daryl Morey. <laughs> uh, 
it'll at least get you closer than uh, than we all were before, maybe. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay, so you, you mentioned in a previous answer some of the events that you promote or that you guys attend. Uh, are there any big ones coming up over the course of the next few months that you're excited about where Sport Techie will have a presence? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, South by Southwest is a, is a great event, not just for sports, but for all kinds of uh, technology as well. Uh, it's, uh, I, it's actually my first one. Uh, this year, my co-founder had been going uh, to them before, but I'll be there and we'll both be there and uh, have a sport techie presence. The, uh, the sports tech aspect of South by Southwest has continued to grow uh, as interest and uh, obviously products coming to market and dollars being spent uh, has continued to increase. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, I know there's a lot of companies that are that rolled out a lot of interesting things at CES that are starting to South by Southwest is starting to become the same as a place where different companies can roll out new initiatives and, and talk about what they're doing. Uh, but we'll definitely have a lot of coverage on that. Uh, and as well as Sloan, uh, it's an incredible conference. Um, we'll be there as well. And, you know, the, the lineup at Sloan kind of speaks for itself. You know, it's Adam Silver, Bill James, Billy Bean, Bob Myers, uh, David Falk, who's uh, I actually recently just heard him at a George Washington speak here in D.C. Incredibly insightful guy and has a lot of good uh, Michael Jordan stories about being his uh, his agent. Uh, but, you know, Stan Kroenke also will be there. He's had a, a pretty busy month, so he probably will be pretty interesting to to hear from in terms of sports business and uh, and all the things they're going to be doing out in L.A. They're, they definitely have uh, put out uh, pretty good uh, mock-ups of their new stadium that should be pretty technologically advanced, as well as, you know, Vivek uh, that I mentioned before will also be there. It's just an incredible lineup of, uh, of speakers and almost, you know, asking parents to name their their favorite kid, you know, who they're interested in hearing from the most. You know, it's they're all incredible minds and they're all doing amazing things. And uh, and we should uh, we'll definitely be covering Sloan and we'll have a presence there. And uh, those are definitely the two uh, out in March uh, that should be really interesting. But we'll also be uh, in the Bay Area next week for the Super Bowl. And I know there's a lot of uh, new rollouts um, going on there that we should be covering as well. So while it's not a uh, quote unquote conference, it'll uh, it kind of acts like a quasi one for uh, NFL and football based uh, companies trying to get new rollouts out there. So we'll be able to hopefully cover it all for uh, interested people in your uh, in your audience. Very nice. Well, enjoy the trip out to the Super Bowl. Uh, while you're out there, if you can maybe talk with the executives of your San Francisco 49ers to see if you can whip them into shape. I'm sure there, there are a lot of fans out there who would appreciate that. And, uh, hey, uh, you know, from a, from a sports science uh, side here at Sport Techie, I'm, uh, I'm definitely intrigued by the, uh, the hire of Chip Kelly. He, yeah. I think he got a bad rap in uh, in Philadelphia, and I'm interested. You know, you know, Bill Belichick got fired from the the Browns, and he's done pretty well. So yeah. maybe Chip Kelly can be uh, the next reclamation uh, projects of sorts. But yeah, it was a it was tough as a fan to go from uh, you know almost uh, winning the Super Bowl to a couple years later being a, a five win team. But I think they uh, I think they've done a good job to to get back to the to being closer to Jim Harbaugh level than uh, than last year's. Yeah, nice. Well, Simon, thanks so much for coming on to talk about uh, innovation in the sports and fitness place. Super interesting conversation and uh, very much appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as I said before, you know, feel any of your readership that thinks they have an interesting idea for us or wants to be uh, linked up to our newsletter, we can receive, it'll get to our whole team if they email info at sporttechie.com. 
uh, just feel free to reach out to us anytime. We uh, we like to be uh, conversational, and we'll definitely read your uh, your pitch or your idea, and we'll get back to you. Okay, awesome. Thanks again, Simon. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about Simon Ogus, you can follow him on Twitter at at Simon Ogus. That's O-G-U-S. You can also visit the Sport Techie website at www.sporttechie.com. And you can follow them on Twitter at at Sport Techie. Thanks very much to Simon Ogus for joining us this week. And thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget to tune into the next episode of the podcast when we're excited to have the head of the World Bank Group's Innovation Labs, Adarsh Desai, on. Among the topics we'll discuss are how the World Bank's Innovation Labs are working to eradicate extreme poverty, how big data and open data are helping to fuel that mission, and how the Innovation Labs uses human-centered design to serve constituents in their client countries. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. The Innovation Engine podcast is recorded, produced, edited, and published by Three Pillar Global, a product lifecycle management and software development company based in Fairfax, Virginia. For more information on the company or our services, please visit our website at www.threepillarglobal.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or SoundCloud. And you can also download our very own iOS app in the iTunes App Store. If you like this week's episode of the podcast, please feel free to share on your social media networks of choice. And if that happens to be Twitter, don't forget to tag at 3PillarGlobal as well.